Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Terry Smith, author of Teaching the DIC. DIC stands for Discipline for Intimacy and Communication. Terry currently writes a monthly relationship column for Today's Black Woman and Rolling Out magazine. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Now, I hear that you're a Navy brat. Is that true? I am a Navy baby. You know, I'm, I'm much older now, so to call me a baby, that's kind of, you know, that's a welcome statement for right now. Right. And how did that lead to your book? Well, I... Uh, being a person that has, um, you know, anyone that's in the military and you travel often, you are, they say that we easily meet people. We're very friendly people. So watching people and and um, having to find a way to communicate with strangers and, and new people, I find that easy. And do you find that traveling so much made it difficult for you to have good relationships with men? No. And I don't think I really can say that I've had difficult, difficult relationships with men. My my books are not even based on that. Uh, it's based on good communication. I have great relationships with men, have always had, and great relationships with uh, my girlfriends. And what would you say is the key to having those great relationships? The key to it? Yes. It's definitely good communication. Right. Um, teaching the. D period, I period, C period is teaching the discipline of intimacy and communication. And the reason why I entitled that book, I gave that book that title, is because the true meaning of intimacy is familiarity. And that's what I found that people really weren't uh, secure with. Even when I would ask the person in a relationship, do you have good intimacy, they would put this smile on their face and say yes, and then I would turn the question into asking them, what makes her cry? What makes her happy? What makes her angry? And they would say, well, I just do my best to make sure that they keep a smile on their face. I said, but those are good things to know because you would only know those things through some sort of communication, a, a, a exchange that enlightens you. Now, this may be difficult for someone that is shy, that finds it difficult to ask the necessary questions to make a decision that they can live with. So they would have to in turn discipline themselves in order to achieve that. And that's the reason why I entitled the book Teaching the Discipline of Intimacy and Communication. And what kinds of questions do people need to ask in relationships in order to make sure that this is the right one? Anything that's going to gain them freedom. Freedom comes from taking ownership of your own choices. Anything that you need before you walk away or you're having a conversation with someone and you have a question in the back of your head, I've been asked this question, Terry, when is it a good time to ask someone if they're dating someone else? Terry, when is it a good time to ask 
the state of the relationship. Terry, when is it a good time to ask, uh, is it uh, about intimacy questions on a sexual basis? Is it at that point when you're about to or beforehand? I said the good time is whenever it becomes a question for you. Don't be shy about asking these questions? Do not be shy because you have to live with the results. And if living with the results will, because you didn't ask the question, causes you, therefore, to have a cavity in your life, something that you can't get over, you find it difficult to, you will, it's something inside your gut that says, you know, I knew, I knew I shouldn't have let him stay the night. I knew, I knew that this sex didn't mean what I thought it meant, but I went on anyway. I, you know, a lot of people say, he stopped calling once I let him stay. Yes. Well, isn't that pretty common? Women frequently complain that whenever they finally consummate the relationship and the man, quote, gets what he wanted, then they never hear from him again. Is that pretty common in your experience with uh, women talking to you? It, it is pretty common, and that's why this book, Teaching the Discipline of Intimacy and Communication, basically uh, was written for, even though it's for men and women, it is truly written from a woman's perspective. There's a, type, there's a chapter in there entitled, Does It Matter? And the question, the chapter starts off with this question. If you, you just, you're dating someone for a couple of weeks, the relationship is going great, or you feel close to that person, and you, you're sort of feeling that this is the right person for you, and this day you decide that this will be the night that you will be intimate. And wow, it's that you see the stars, your toes curl up. It's more than you could ever have imagined. But in the morning when your significant other or your dear love leaves and kisses you goodbye and says, I'll call you, and never does, does it really matter? Of course. Most people will say yes. Yes. And I've even, even men say, you know, secretly to me, yes, it would. Because they really liked the person and he thought, you know, the relationship was going well. I go, what if it really mattered, you would have gotten those questions and found out what that meant to them before you slept with them, if being intimate means that much to you. Well, now, a lot of the women tell me they're afraid to ask uh, intimate questions of a man early in a relationship because they're afraid of scaring the man off. Is that a reasonable fear? That is a reasonable fear. This question is true, but we need to get away from the old belief. If men are very clear... They speak very assertively. Assertive communication is they have a way of communicating so that way they get their needs, wants, and desires met without offending anyone. And I teach an empowerment class, and this is what I teach women. You can get your needs, wants, and, and desires met without end, offending anyone. If it's necessary for you to ask, you can ask it in a way that's not intimidating someone. You don't want to ask. how do you do that? You don't want to ask the question as if you're being aggressive with it. Ask yes. it in a, make sure that the, the moment fits that question. You know, it can be even in a park. It could be over dinner. It could be a, a little intimate moment that you're having in your home. That's definitely not pundit and the next move within the next 10 minutes is going to be sex. Yes. Now, would you say that men are at fault when a relationship doesn't last, or should women be blaming themselves? No one is at fault. A lot of relationships, and I'm sure you know from your years of experience, is definitely lacking in bad communication. Men and women do communicate differently. That is a matter of fact. 
But as long as you're communicating in a way that is assertive so it's not offending anyone and both people are not feeling like you're uh, in any way boxing them in, but you are getting your questions answered and your needs. So that way, whatever you're getting from the communication, the decision that you make, rather it fails, good, bad, or indifferent, you can live with the result. Terry, you talk a lot about discipline in your book. What does discipline mean in the context of romantic relationships? What discipline is in the sense of you making sure that you are, are asking and doing everything necessary that makes you feel right and feel good. A better you makes a better relationship. And if a relationship is failing, is there any hope that it can be restored? Absolutely. As long as there's one person that still wants that relationship, that relationship has a chance. I'm not saying it's going to work, but it still has a chance. If two people give up, that relationship is gone. But if one person is still holding on, it still has a chance. And why do you feel that women as a whole don't know how to express their concerns? Well, women are very, we're caretakers by nature. We're not, we weren't raised or told by our mothers and mothers, their mothers, that the old belief is that we, we have a place and we're not, our place is not to uh, disturb or and involve ourselves with the head of the household and to follow that. We, are, we were told to follow the head of the household. So when we, to ask the questions that we need to ask, the old belief from our parents, our, our mothers and mothers' mothers, was saying, don't rock the boat, he knows what's best. And he may not know what's best because if he didn't learn about love and how to communicate with a, a woman from his father, or, or uncle or some way. There's another question that someone asked me. How does a father, fatherless man learn to love a woman? Not from, you know, if, if his mother is not around, if his father is not around. Yes. I think that's important. So if you're following someone that doesn't know what's best, then that relationship is in trouble. Do you think that discipline for intimacy and communication can save a faltering relationship? Yes, it can. And exactly how? Because if... Again, if you, the, the meaning of discipline of intimacy is communicating and gaining familiarity, which gives you intimacy. And so if you discipline yourself in order to say, I need to gain, I need to know your mate's needs, wants, and desires, the only way to know it is to truly ask. I've been asked in, in some of the seminars that I've been in, Women say, I've heard them say uh, that if I put this lingerie on and I got dressed up for him, it wouldn't make him any difference. And I say, why is that? Well, he wants just to go and do it. And I ask, has he ever asked you what you want, what feels right to you? And you know what they've said? Yes, yes, he has. And I said, do you express it? I don't know how to. Because it's very, they find it difficult to say what feels good to them. They know, but how to express it is what they need to work on. The fact that he asks, that's the best step. That's the first step. If you have someone that's interested in knowing what feels good to you. And how do you teach men to ask these questions? How do you teach them to be more communicative? If you're a woman who's in a relationship with a man who's the strong, silent type, you know, the Clint Eastwood type. Who doesn't um, express a desire on finding out what their mate wants? Exactly. Okay, then 
what I would say, because I speak more often to women, then she would tell them. She would express it. And for a man, if he doesn't express it the, the right way, it's up for that mate. As long as there's someone desiring to find out what feels good to their mate or what their, need, what their mate wants and their mate needs, you have a start. It's when someone is not interested and they're only interested in self. Yes. You know, Terry, all the single people I talk to have one thing in common, and that's failed relationships. By definition, everybody who's single has seen all of their romantic relationships at some point fail. And a lot of times people develop a very defeatist attitude. How do you deal with that? What advice do you give someone whose past relationships have all failed? If you are going to live your life where you're going to carry that baggage from relationship relationship, don't even try don't even bother to look for the next relationship just give up but if you if you are willing to understand that that relationship failed learn something take the good with it from it and take it over to the next relationship and seek that and understand that this failed it wasn't your fault but you learned the lesson from it so therefore you can take that part that lesson and then you won't you'll know how to identify and walk away from it the next time well, I think, Terry, you're hitting the nail on the head when you talk about getting rid of that excessive baggage. But, I mean, how does a person actually do that? I mean, isn't it more easily said than done? It is a discipline yourself. Again, it's what you, you have to make a decision what you need to gain freedom, to feel free. If you're going to carry the baggage, don't try. So really what you're saying is you're not ready to move on to a new relationship until you're done with the past. Exactly. And you have to be able to identify what caused the relationship to fail. Don't harp on it. It's that old saying, change what you can and what you can't, let it stay there and move on. And do you recommend that people go into therapy? If necessary, absolutely. And I think it's good when you know that you need help. Let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of dating. Where do you recommend uh, single people meet? Everywhere. I, do, I believe a nightclub is great. I don't think a nightclub is a good place to sit down and have your share your life expectancies of, the, of a relationship. A nightclub is a good place for the moment. I think a bookstore. I think a church is a great space. Gross, grocery stores is a great place. I think anywhere in life, all I want single people to understand is that most often your mate is not going to be the postman. Yes. He's got to get out there. Right. He's not going to knock on your door. He's not going to knock on your door. I say that often. you got to get up and get out. And, you know, the common denominator of a lot of the single people I meet, especially single women, they stay home seven nights a week, and then they complain that they never meet anybody. Absolutely. And that's what I say. I say, where are you going? I don't go out anywhere. I just go to, from work to home. I say, he's not going to knock on the door. Right. But But it's hard to motivate people to leave their homes because basically they're very – secure at home, they're warm, they're comfortable, they feel safe. On the other hand, we're advising them to go out in that cruel world where they're murderers and rapists and drunk drivers. And it's real scary, very intimidating to people, especially people who've been hurt in the past in loving relationships. You're right, Rich. And the old saying is, from women, I hear often is, there are no good men out there. Yes. And that, when they say that statement, quickly I say, do you truly believe that? And (laughs) someone will say, yes. I said, then you need to stay home. Because you've already <laughs> made the decision that there's no good men, so don't try. You shouldn't try if you're going to be frustrated. You should only try if you're going to have belief in it. 
if you, your try and your effort is going to be, you know what, I'm okay if I meet someone and I'm okay if I don't meet someone. With that attitude, you can, you can go out there and you can try. But if you've got the negative attitude that all the good men are taken, uh, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You won't meet Absolutely. any good men. Absolutely. Don't try. Okay. Well, that's interesting that you put it quite that way because really you're putting pressure on people to deal with their attitudes, uh, that the attitude is just as important as the motivation to go out of the house, that if all you can do is motivate yourself to leave the home but you can't motivate yourself to have a positive attitude, then it's just not enough. Right. I'm empowering people to empower themselves. If you, it's all within within you believe, you will never have what, or be what you want to be, only what you believe you are. It's the same thing. You will never have what you believe you will have, only what you believe, I mean, what you want to have, only what you believe you have. So if you believe you're going to have a good mate, you're going to have a good mate. I truly believe that. Well, let's assume, Terry, that we've got people motivated to leave the house and they're leaving the house with a positive mental attitude that they're going to meet somebody special of the opposite sex and have a loving relationship with someone. Assuming that we've accomplished that much with them and they're outside now and they go to the bar or the church picnic or wherever it is they're going that there's going to be other people of the opposite sex who are single to choose from, who do you think should make the first move? Should it be the man or the woman? Both. I love it when women get empowered enough to make that first move. Who says that if a woman makes the first move, she's not still a good girl? Yes. And, and if the man does the same. Well, a lot of women tell me they won't go to a bar, or if they do, they won't make the first move because a man's going to assume that she's a slut. But what do you say to that? <laughs> you know what? I have in one of my chapters in the book, I said, does it make a difference if you sleep with them the first night and if you sleep with them and wait that your 30-day uh you know, promise that you won't do it in for 30 days because you want him to see you as a good girl. However he sees you is how he sees you. He can see you as a slut the first night. Even if you wait 30 days, he may see you as a slut the 30 days later. Does that make you a slut? The answer most often is no. Well, let's talk about the 30 days. Is, is that the optimum period of time to wait before having the first sexual encounter? You know, people have two weeks, um, people have 30 days, some people have 10 days. It doesn't really matter. Whatever you need to feel right about you, you make it you. I don't believe in having a, any particular day. It's just whenever you feel right about it. And what do you say to those people who believe in chastity before marriage? Uh, do you think it makes sense to wait uh, until the wedding ring? You know, Rich, we were talking about this today in one of the classes that I was teaching. This is very funny that you asked that question. And... I think whatever feels right for you. Again, I personally don't understand that part of it, but whatever you need, you make it good for you. Now, what is it that you don't understand, Terry? I don't understand the if the waiting is a spiritual reason that you're waiting, that's good. But if you're waiting because you don't want someone to see you less than, it's you've got to fix you first. You do what feels right and is best for you. So when that morning comes, you can get up feeling right about yourself. And then what about uh, uh, seeing somebody the second or the third or the fourth time? What does a woman do, for example, if the man stops calling? Or what does the man do if the woman stops uh, taking his calls and all she gets is his answer, her answering machine and she never calls him back? What do you do when you reach that impasse in the relationship where one person isn't taking the lead anymore to make the relationship happen? Sometimes there's just something happens where uh, people, some people have this rule. I've heard 
after three days, I'll know if I'm interested. If I'm, you know, after 15 days, I will know if I'm still interested. And if I'm not, I just completely stop calling. It just happens sometimes. It really does. But if you are communicating throughout uh, the entire time, making sure that you've gotten all the questions you need or as much as each time that you can live with, that you're clear about it, you've done all that you can do. You don't want anyone that doesn't want you. A forced relationship will only hurt you at the end. If someone is not interested, forcing them, it definitely will come back to haunt you. Again, you will say you wish you didn't. And how do you know whether or not to move to the next step, which is the committed relationship? What do you have to have happening in a relationship to make sense to make a commitment? Clarity. What is a committed relationship? It's when two people have solidified, communicated, and come to an agreement what that defines. That's what a committed relationship is. I've heard somebody say, uh, I have my, you know, my card game without thought, and one of those questions is in there. What is a committed relationship? And, and tell I us about your woman, card game. Tell us a little bit about the card game, Terry. The card game, the reason why I, wrote the, I made the, created the card game along with the book is because the card game eliminates those gray area questions, those difficult questions that I think a lot of people want to ask, but I've been asked, you know, when's the good time? So I play, I created this card game that will help ask those great questions, those great area questions, and not make it so difficult. And that person won't run out the door if you put them in an intimidating spot. It makes it fun. It makes it easy. Yes, the name of the game is Without Thought. And can you tell us a little bit about some of the questions in the game? Well, in the book, I said that truth doesn't take thought, and that's my belief. Um, when someone's telling the truth, you know, even the police will tell you that. When a, a person's telling the truth, they generally do not make much of a body change, a shift, or their eyes do not really change as far as a blink or, you know, they move their eyes throughout the room when a person's telling the truth. But when someone is hesitating or they're about to lie or they're being creative before they answer that pause, they may not be telling you the truth. So it's called without thought. Yes. The questions are you really don't have time to pause, you just answer. And the questions are pretty tricky. Especially depending on who you're asking the questions to. What kinds of questions do people ask in your game without thought? Okay, well we talked about one of the questions is what is a committed relationship? Another question is the last time I was intimate was and the person you asked the question to has to answer that. Now, if you're out on a date, Rich, and it was the night before, and you're with a new person, that wouldn't look too good if you said, just last night, now would right. it? No, it, it would may not. Make, so, therefore, that may cause a shift in your body movement. You yes. understand? Yes. Okay. So, even I find it difficult. Another question is, Beauty is to me, I think that's one of the best questions. You don't know if you're going to be asked that question or that you will be able to, or, or, uh, you will ask someone that question. But to, de to find out what someone, how someone defines beauty, uh, if you're asking a man and he says someone that's six foot blonde blue eyes and you're sitting across from him and you're nothing like that, you may not want to get into a serious relationship with this person without, you know, why is that person with you? You're nothing what he defines as beauty. But on the other hand, someone would say, you know, I think beauty is within skin deep, you know, beauty is nice, kind, and gentle, those kind of things. That may work. 
See, the questions generally are, you know, very important, but it's the way you ask them and this very sexy tone and they finish the question and it can heat things up and then all, it can throw all of a sudden a curve in it because of the way someone answers the question. You know, back in 1997, Terry, I hear that you created a challenging and thought-provoking television game show. I think you called it Create Your Mate. Exactly. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? I created um, Create Your Mate. It, it's a game show that you set back and it was a, a screen with three participants behind. Would you choose a mate by the answers, by just what they said in their tone and their voice? And then a screen went up where you can see the silhouette of them. And sometimes we would have someone on a box, but you couldn't tell. So that person may look taller than what they were, or they would be shorter than what they were, or maybe some weight. Would you choose them by just the way you thought they looked? And then what happens is the participant will find out sometimes it's just those things that they answered or they said, and that might be their attraction. And then it could be, you know what, I'm more attractive to somebody how they look. And that's the creator mate. Right. And uh, tell us a little bit about your website, terrysmithonline.com. If people go onto that, what will they learn? Well, they can read a free chapter of each book that I've written, as well as they can also play a little bit of the card game. And they, uh, my bio is on there as well as the media kit, any uh, tours that I'm on, and and also about the column and just uh, more about Terry. And I presume you're available around the country if people want you to be a keynote speaker? I am, Richard. And I presume you like to travel? Well, I travel. The word like, I'm not going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you traveled a lot as a child being a, a Navy child. You probably traveled a little bit more than you wanted when you were young. Yes, I did. But you know what? It's not in my bio, but I also was a flight attendant. So I've been traveling oh, for many years. Uh-huh. Many years. And would you say that's a good place to find love on an airplane? No. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't know what's at home when you're on an airplane when you meet somebody like that. Did, did you ever date anybody on the job? Did you ever date any of your customers when you were a flight attendant? No, I didn't. I, I didn't. I'm, you know what? I am a communicator by... You know, that's my background, and I'm very attractive to communicate. As someone that can just, uh, very articulate, and they can express themselves, and, and I can definitely know without a doubt where they're going, what they want. You know, knowing what the hell you want is such an attraction to me. Well, we've run out of time, Terry. I want to say thank you. Thank you so very much. I've enjoyed it. Sure. To learn more about how DIC is helping women talk to men and to bring clarity, understanding, and intimacy into their lives, I want to remind our listeners to visit terrysmithonline.com. I want to remind them to buy your book, Teaching the DIC. And uh, I want to remind everyone that Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. If you have any comments or suggestions about Single Living, feel free to email us at singleliving at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss. Rich Goss.